Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. First today we have our own brother Billy Skelton going to give us the message the Lord's light on us. Thank you, Andy. Turn back if you haven't uh, lost your place there to Luke. Luke chapter 14. Hopefully, there will be some exhortation for each of us this morning as we look at this parable that Christ told there in the book of Luke, chapter 14. The chapter starts, interestingly enough, Jesus is invited, it says, in the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. And after Christ heals, he gives a, a talk with them about taking the lowly place, not necessarily being one who put, puts himself in a spot of honor. And uh, he gets to chapter uh, 14 and verse 15. And one of those at the supper makes this comment, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Christ then begins a parable that he's going to talk to the disciples or those that are at the house about. Let's see if I... Oh, good, you got the first one up there. So the... Let's see. The exhortation today would be to stop making excuses. When someone gives you a, a lame excuse, it's easy sometimes to detect what they're saying is just their way of getting out of it. If that's so for you, how much more so is that for God in heaven? Can you think of a time that you may have given God some excuse for what you are or you are not doing? Or perhaps there's a time you could think that you've reasoned with the Spirit within us for what we do or we don't do. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't want to yell down from heaven, excuses, excuses, all I ever hear are excuses. In this parable, God tells us in no uncertain terms that he reads right through our excuses and finds them unacceptable. Now, the context of the parable is salvation. However, I believe that we can find there are excuses used by unbelievers, uh, or there are excuse, uh, sorry, excuse attitudes on the part of Christians as well. So I have to ask myself, where am I in my walk with the Lord? Am I too busy for God? Do I keep putting off those things that I know would benefit me in my walk with Him uh, after having come to know Him as my personal Savior? Do I say, well, when things slow down, when I retire, when I get to a certain point, then I will get to those things. What excuses do we use? Well, let's look at the excuses. The first one is possessions. It says there in the first number 18, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. Now, think that excuse through. He's telling the host that invited him, I can't go. You know, I bought this thing and I've got to go, I've got to go check it out. Well, why would you go see it after you bought it, right? 
And if you didn't go see it ahead of time, maybe you just saw it on the internet and you wanted to go now and see it, that's fine. Wait. The, 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 the master's invited you. The host has given an invitation. You could put off your visit. But here's an example of a person who's putting the possessions before the banquet or the host who invited. The host referred to by Luke as a certain man. You see that term about a dozen times in the book of Luke as Jesus tells parables to teach the people that are here. He'll say a certain man. And we see warnings about putting possessions first. And Ecclesiastes, there's in chapter number 2, we read these words. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse number 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. Oh, I'm in Song of Solomon. That sounded a little different there. It was a banquet we're talking about in Luke, so it wasn't too far off. 2, 4 through 11. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. <clears throat> I also gathered for myself silver and gold and special treasures of kings and of all provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. Sounds great. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. So we see the Bible warns us that acquiring of possess possessions is a vain pursuit. The excuse used here by this man that is about his possessions. And perhaps you struggle with some of these yourself. I know as a teenager, one of the possessions that, uh, as a 16-year-old, the car took a bit of time. You had to have the right rims, you had to have the right this and the right that, stereo system, equalizer, you know, all these things that take a, a bit of time. It's a possession, and it, come, it can come between you and the Lord. Perhaps it's your home, your RV, your boat, some other possession that you put before the Lord. What of these possessions? Well, just a few chapters back, in chapter 12 of Luke, we read of a person who did that very thing. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21, Jesus speaks a parable there. He says, uh, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns, and build greater. And there I will store up all my crops and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There's a warning, putting too much of an emphasis on possessions. We want to be careful as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as we follow, that that does not become something that comes between us and the Lord. And be careful for those who do that. Sometimes I, I think, um, I look at folks that have various hobbies, and I think to myself, well, that would be nice to have a hobby, get a wave runner, get a boat, do these things. Um, and I, I, I don't, I, I end up not really being uh, closely associated but I think there's probably a reason for that. I'm not willing to give up a time with the Lord's people for the, to go boating on a Sunday, and they're not willing to leave the boating to come to church on a Sunday. So you, you be careful for those that you, you can see that are putting possessions first. It's an excuse that God um, does not, or he sees right through. The next one we see in verse number 19, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. Well, here again, if you assume that the man is a farmer, that's kind of a lame excuse. I'm going to go buy five yoke of oxen, but I haven't tested them yet. Modern day, you might say I'm going to go buy a, a used car, and I haven't test driven it yet. Um, if, it's your, if it's the man's livelihood, why would he have made such a major investment without having checked it out first. And even again, if he hadn't checked it out first and he purges them when the, invite, the host said, come, he could have gone after the banquet. But it was more important to him to look at something that was going to affect his livelihood, his career. There was an emphasis put over here, over what was the invitation to the banquet. Truth is, he was too occupied with his way of making a living to give attention to other matters. And sometimes we as believers as well can let our jobs or our careers interfere with, with, what, with giving the Lord his due. I realize in the book of Colossians we read these words, and whatever your you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. It's a balance there trying to figure out how much of my time and effort do I give uh, to the career. To the, to the place of work. If you work at a place, and I know I'm speaking now just to the working class because a few of you have already been and are already in a retired state. This is not necessarily an exhortation for you, this part. But how much of your time do you give to the boss? You don't want to be a poor example of a believer. You want to do it heartily. You're not serving men. You're serving the Lord. But I know at my, my place, I can, I can spend hours beyond uh, I can miss midweek meeting to go to the sporting events because that would encourage the students. They see Mr. Skelton's out there cheering on the sideline or go to the band performance and give a tremendous amount of time to it, hoping to get ahead in that, in that spot and get a, a, little, a little ahead. But it would neglect the things that are of more importance. I do have to provide, right? 1 Timothy 5.8, he who does not provide for his own household is worse than an infidel. I won't sit around and... Uh, not be in a place that I'm able to uh, do something, whether I've got my own business or working for somebody, to provide for the household. Yet for some, getting ahead 
in the world becomes priority number one. And there's a balance to be found. The riches of this world, you have to remember, they're going to they're pass away. Uh, you've heard the saying, no hearse, no U-Haul behind the hearse. There's no taking our earthly uh, treasures with us. The things that we accomplish in this world, uh, if we neglect the, the, the world to come, then we won't be able to go back and change that. And we've got to convince ourselves of this, uh, that the world to come is the one to prepare for. Now, Andy, I got a video clip, if you could put that up there, that just emphasizes the importance of not focusing on our, li our short lifespan compared to eternity. Sure. All right. Some of you may have seen this before. I've seen it more than once. Imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever, okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times, it doesn't, it ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about that? What about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all the stuff I could enjoy. I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm I serious. I, I look. Okay. I look at the way. When I saw that the first time, it really spoke powerfully to me because I know I spend time 
thinking about that little piece of red rope. I want to make sure. I've got to have my pension set where I, yeah, I've got to have all these things. I've got to, got to, got to, got to. And those things are important. Not because they're not important, but are we spending the time and career hoping to make it in such a way that I've got this last whatever, 10, 20, 30 years comfortable but neglected the millions and millions of years to follow. It's an excuse. I'll get to it when I retire. That's when I'll get to it. Now I'll address the retired folks. The retired folks, now that you're there, you still have that same vigor, the same energy. You go out and do all those things that you thought you were going to do once you retired. Or has health changed things a bit? Have circumstances changed a bit? Nothing we can do to turn back time, those that have already stepped back from their career. But the time you have left, don't make the excuse. Give, give the Lord his due in these matters. There's a third excuse, and he gives it in... Uh, Verse number 20, and I'm not clicking on it, don't know why. All right, there we go. Bing, bing. He says, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. I'm not sure what kind of excuse that was. If I was invited to a banquet and I said, I'd like to go, but I, I'm married, I, I can't, you know. I bring my wife with me. It was, a, it, was a, it was something to celebrate. It would have been expected. You've been invited. The host said, come, you bring your spouse with you. Uh, it seems the man was probably covering up for the fact that he, possibly they, didn't want to come. They didn't want to. They were too occupied with themselves. You know, it's not impossible for two Christians to forget which relationship is most important. There's a song, a Christian songwriter in the 70s, Keith Green. A lot of the songs have spoke to me, but this one, in reference to the relation he has with his wife, spoke to me. The words go like this. As I told her when we wed, I'd surely rather be found dead than to love her more than the one who saved my soul. That relationship that each of us has with the Lord Jesus Christ, men and women, that's the one that should have the priority. We praise God, he who findeth a wife that says, findeth a good thing, and we're happy to have our spouses, our family, children, uh, that can be uh, such a blessing. And yet, here, being married to a wife that was a man's excuse for not coming to the banquet. So we want to be careful to avoid allowing relationships to become selfish and all-consuming in nature to the point that we can't enjoy our salvation. One of the uh, things that I was heard was I, you need to make time spend with your spouse. It's important. Um, you're, especially if you're raising children, you don't want to get to the time when the children leave the house and look across the table and realize, I, who are you? We've been so busy doing these things, I never made, made time for my spouse. So it's important to make time for our spouse. But to use that 
to overuse the, uh, the excuse of spending time with spouse to excuse myself from the Lord's call um, or the gathering of his people is not good. A time away from the Lord's people and time away from the things of the Lord can only bring trouble. There is a balance. In Ephesians we read in a chapter 5, which is something I'm sure most of, most of us are familiar with in teaching of the marriage relationship. Paul writes in chapter 5, starting in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the, with the washing of water by the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. How can I, I ask myself, give myself for my wife, as Christ gave himself for the church, when I'm making excuses um, about not making time for the Lord. So the excuses that were given, the one that had to do with possessions, the ones that had to do with career, the ones that had to do with relationships, spouse, these are all valid things. They're good things. Uh, they're not all wrong in and of themselves. But ask yourself, does a good thing going to keep you from what is best? And my encouragement to you is let us not lose out on the banquet blessings because of selfish priorities or lame excuses. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for that parable that Jesus would share of the uh, banquet, the great banquet that was being held, and those, Father, that would find excuses not to come. We praise you, Father, for the uh, opportunities that are given here while we're in this short span of our journey here on earth, that, Father, will affect us for eternity, and pray that as we each journey, we each uh, know, Father, that the things that we do, uh, our walk with you, all these things will affect uh, us for, for the uh, ages to come. We pray, pray this morning, Father, that our spirit would stir our hearts to uh, make sure our priorities are correct. Now, we're not giving too much time to the things of this world and neglecting the things of the world to come. Help us to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. We just ask your blessing as we part now in our Savior's name. Amen.